Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you with another podcast after another Packers victory, the fourth in a row. The Packers have moved to 8-8 eight and eight on the season after a total dominant beatdown over the Minnesota Vikings. And... I cannot believe what my life has come to, Rod. I can't believe it. The Packers, they control their own destiny. They're one win away from being in the playoffs. How did we how did we get here? What what is what has this come to? This season is so absurd, man. Ron, how are you? Griff, you know I'm doing well. Uh, especially after that incredible incredible victory. These past two games, the Miami game and now this one against Minnesota just so special. Those were two of the most special wins we've been a part of, I think, in a long time. And it's it's just even more special when you're coming from a spot where you're down and knocked out and nobody's counting on us and everybody's counting us out. And to come back and do what I had hope and a lot of belief in what they could do, to come and do all this, to get back into a position where they are one game away from coming into the playoffs as the number seven seed, coming all the way back from four and eight, to 9-8, and eight, they're one win away. It's the most special thing on the planet. The amount of things that have gone our way this last month, it's, it's getting to the point where it's absurd, and it's getting to the point where there's no other explanation other than God is a Packers fan, which I said jokingly two weeks ago. But now it is true, man. It, it, because our day starts 1 p.m. slate, we're watching Browns Commanders, rooting for a team that no one thought we'd be rooting for in Week 17, a quarterback none of us want to root for, and they come out with a huge win over the Washington the Washington football team, as you would call them, Braun. And at that point, it's like, oh my gosh, the Packers, they now control their own destiny. They just have to win their last two games. And then just from the, from the Keyshawn Nixon kickoff return, 105 yards, from that point on, it was smooth sailing, and I had no doubts that this was going to be a beautiful evening for myself and yourself, Braun. And that it was, because there are so many moments in this game that had me jumping up and down like a little kid. It was just, it, it, You called it a 2014-style beatdown. That's what it was, dude. It, it really was. This was a 2014-era Packers team beatdown of the Minnesota Vikings. There's so many things. Keyshawn Nixon, that kick return. He's a superstar. He is a true superstar in this game today. He is a superstar. He's the best player at his position. And last week we were talking about how is it that we all know he's this dynamic as a kick returner and he's still busting out these 93-yard returns. And then today... That's the honest- hardest part of it, That's the, especially from him. To be able to go out and do that after everybody knows that he is what he's doing, he's doing what he's doing on a weekly basis, and for him to top it every week... It's incredible, and that that return sums up everything about why he is so great because everybody knows he's very good, and he's getting better every week, and he continues to do it, and he topped it off this week with that massive, massive return. Massive, and that was really, I mean, it was really early on. It was in the first quarter, but that felt like the turning point in the game. So you have that, and then you have a Darnell Savage pick six also in the first quarter. Darnell Savage, he's been a guy that we've completely forgotten about for the last month of the season. He comes back, and he's playing well last week in Miami. He played well today, gets a pick six. Are you kidding me, man? And then you have Mason Crosby hitting a 56-yard field goal to end the half, a kick that 
I did not think he had any chance of making. I was thinking he is way too old to be kicking a 56-yard field goal. And what does he do? He knocks it in off the crossbar. That had me jumping on my feet. That's just what makes him so great, though, isn't it, Griff? I mean, for him to make that 56-yard kick after he hasn't made a 50-yard field goal all season because he hasn't really taken... What, I think he's taken maybe two this year and hasn't made them. One of them was blocked, I, I believe. But we know he's capable of making that length of a kick, but not 56, we weren't sure. I, I certainly had belief, and it just the way we were playing, I just wasn't going to be surprised if he made it. And when he made it, it just felt so special. Uh, because that was going into half. You knew you were going to get the ball to start the second half, and it would just be nice to get those three points there at the end. And Mason Crosby comes through. It was just the most perfect game. The only thing that went wrong was that blocked punt. And uh, you mentioned Darnell, too, and that pick six that he had, which is so great for him because he was benched for a large point of this season. And I and Griff, we talked about it, and I brought up the idea before this game against the Miami Dolphins last week, I had said they may need his speed in the back end to try to combat what those two uh, of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, what they do uh, in terms of a speed factor that they bring to the Miami Dolphins offense. And they did, in fact, put him in for a decent chunk of the game last week. And now he came back and did it again this week. And he played a sizable amount. And he had another big impact game. So this is the kind of thing that we wanted to see. And and these things are starting to come to fruition in the best way possible, all at the right time. And all these little moments just created that perfect game. Mason Crosby's field goal was almost like that, that bow tying it right around that perfect gift of that first half, which just felt like improbable. But it was perfect, and, and everything was just exactly how you would want it to be against a team that really, you know, the 12-3 and three at the time, Minnesota Vikings, they beat us earlier in the year. It was all just going so well for us when we needed it most. Going into halftime, the score was 27-3. to three. I couldn't have felt better. We were up 41-3 to three at one point in this game before the Vikings scored a couple garbage-time touchdowns. 41-3. to The game ends with a final score of 41-17, to and the game was not that close, ladies and gentlemen. It was not as close as that score makes it look. We were up 41-3 to after Aaron Rodgers' rushing touchdown. Puts on the belt. That is the play that had me jumping up and down, and I had to look around the room and think, what am I doing right now? <laughs> because I acted like a fool when he ran that in, man. I mean, just a picture-perfect game. Game, by all means, Aaron Rodgers, the dagger, the last play of the game for Aaron before he got taken out for Jordan Love was that rushing touchdown, and that was just beautiful, just a beautiful, beautiful football game. This is the best game we played all season, man. It really by was. Far. We have we have not played a game this complete on all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. Since when has special teams even been? anything to even think about in Green Bay. It never has been. It's always been, just don't be the reason we lose, which it was last year in the playoffs. Now, our special teams is a real reason why we are winning these games. Keyshawn Nixon is a real reason we're winning these games. The defense is forcing turnovers at a crazy rate, and the offense is playing well. They are playing in rhythm. They're playing smooth. We're running the ball well. We're throwing the ball well. This is a playoff team right here. Griff, it's so amazing how everything has kind of come together in the most perfect way. Everything is is on the right track right now. We're all playing at a high level in all three phases, and that's exactly what you want. You want to be playing your best ball down the stretch, and that hasn't been the case always for Green Bay these past three years. Certainly not. 
And I think that it's now a large reason as to why we're going to get in this mix here in the playoffs. And it's also why nobody's going to want to play us. Not even San Francisco is going to want to play us at the two spot if we get in at the seven. It's just nobody's going to want to play us. And I feel very good about this team. The defense is continuing to top its performances week after week. This one was by far the most dominant of the season. And they've had stretches where they've allowed teams like the Rams to 12 points and and Miami, they were able to really hold down with that offense in a, in a lot of ways, getting those three picks later in the game. But this was just purely dominant throughout the stretch. And the interceptions, the picks, the forced fumbles, these things are crucial to what you do winning a football game if you're Green Bay. And this is Green Bay Packers football. Jair doing what he did. I'm sure we'll get into more specifics, Griff, but the way the defense played, the way the special teams is playing, Keyshawn Nixon continuing to dominate in the return game, everything's been sharp. The one error was the blocked punt, and that happens, right? It's happened to us plenty of times, but one flaw in a game of so many beautiful impurities is not something I'm worried about. So I'm just super excited about the way all phases are playing, and I cannot wait until this Lions game where we get a chance to do something miraculous and get in the playoffs after being at 4-8. and eight. And now we're sitting here at eight and eight, trying to get to nine and eight, and we're getting very close to something special. This is—it's already special, man. This is a special team. I just—I can't help but smile when I think about this being a reality. The Packers are at five hundred. We were three and six. How long ago? Week nine, I think we were three and six. We had just lost to the Detroit Lions, fifteen to nine. We thought the world was ending. You know, nothing was ever going to be okay again. I was never going to smile again. And now we're eight and eight, and we're we're one win away from being in the dance. It's crazy. But before we jump into this game, I, I wanted to highlight the the major plays in this game, which I think was the Keyshawn Nixon uh, kickoff return. That was really, I think, maybe the biggest play in this game. Uh, the the Mason Crosby field goal before halftime, fifty six yards. Are you kidding me, Mason? And I, this is you know didn't really have a have a huge impact, but. I think it did mentality-wise. Jair Alexander, first of all, was locked down today. Just straight-up clamps all day today on Justin Jefferson. And in the first quarter, he breaks up a pass to Justin Jefferson, and he hits the gritty right over him. And this was another play that had me losing it, running around my house. I, you know, all this stuff, Ron, we always talk about how, like, we, as we grow up, you know, we run these, these pages on Instagram, we do this podcast, we think of ourselves less as fans. We're still fans at heart, but we, we take it more as, like, a job. It's like we're working on game days rather than we're being a fan. But there are plays like this, like Jair Alexander hitting a gritty over Justin Jefferson, where I lose all of that. I take my hat off, and I just embrace the fandom, and I start running around the kitchen because that was the most beautiful play I've ever seen in my life. Jair Alexander, he's the best corner in the league. He had the best game of his season today. He is locked down, and he might be my favorite player on this team. He really might be, man. I love this guy. There's nothing better than when he gets to talking, and then he starts backing it up, and that's what he does best, and he's just the most fun guy to watch out there on defense, and I think that's across the entire NFL because when he is hot and he's locked in, nobody can get past him, and he's similar to Devontae Adams in that nobody can lock him up except, you know, obviously reversing that for what Jair can do. Nobody can get past him when he's on. And to a lesser extent, I feel like he's Devontae Adams in that way. And I think largely because he got a chance to show it, you know, finally being locked into man coverage, whereas a guy like Jefferson, 
Uh, he didn't even get that opportunity against Stephon Diggs, and, and these these are guys that he wants to match up with, and Joe Barry really wasn't letting him loose as much as we would have liked. In this game, he got that chance, and he took advantage of it, and Justin Jefferson had one catch in a zone coverage that wasn't even around Jair. Jair locked him up, plain and simple, got his revenge, backed up all that talk, and he proved why he's the best corner in football. That was a vintage Jair game, the kind of game that he had in his best season in 2020, and the kind of game that's exactly the reason why the Packers paid him $20 million plus per year, because he's worth it when he's balling like that, and it's just so great to have an alpha like him on this football team. Week one, Justin Jefferson tore this team apart. He was the reason we lost that game. He had 180-something yards, two touchdowns, uncoverable, and you have to kind of credit Joe Barry for adjusting his game plan, but I'm struggling to find how much credit we should really be giving Joe Barry because the game plan in week one, it's, it, how hard is it to think about, oh, you know what, let's let's put Jair on Justin Jefferson. Let's put the corner we just gave $20 million to on Justin Jefferson. Props to Joe Barry for not sticking with that week one game plan and being as stubborn as he's been at, at times this season. But I don't know, it just doesn't feel like a really hard conclusion to come to to think, let's put Jair on Justin Jefferson. That's a thing that we've been saying should have happened since week one. That's a thing we said they should have done going into week one. That's a thing that we said they should have done coming out of week one. And they did it, and what do you know? It works out well. And he's held out of the game. An unstoppable player, Justin Jefferson, has been all season long. And he had one catch day. One catch. And the Vikings couldn't move the ball offensively. It's crazy how that works when you just put your best guy on their best guy for most of the game, and that's how it turns out. And just in Jair Alexander this this week had a lot of lot of things to say about Justin Jefferson. Called him a top three receiver. Also called his week one game a fluke. He's talking all this trash, and I'm thinking, oh, this could be this could be bad. This could end up being bulletin board material and ending up coming back to coming back to bite us. But it did not. And watching him walk the walk, talk the talk, just beautiful. Jair Alexander. He's, he's a great player, and hopefully Joe Barry continues to use him in the way that we have been saying, all of the, all of, all Packers fans have been saying he needs to be used. Hopefully Joe Barry continues that usage throughout the rest of the season and hopefully into the playoffs. Griff, that's a great point you made about how much credit do we give Joe Barry, because a lot of it has to do with, first of all, Matt hired him for this scheme, but... The problem is utilizing our players to the best of their ability for our benefit as a team and our and as a defense probably isn't utilizing the scheme that we brought him in for because Jair is a man-to-man corner and some of these other guys uh, just aren't best utilized in these spots that the cover two deep safety style defense that isn't going to benefit a guy like Jair who's not a zone corner at heart and Rasul Douglas who's probably not as good of a zone corner as he is a man corner and same thing goes for Eric Stokes who has all that makeup speed. So that's probably some of the reason. I would say Matt LaFleur deserves some of the blame for that. But for the fact that Joe Barry has been willing to adjust at certain points his scheme entirely to adapt to his, to the players at any level is a lot better than you can ask for from a lot of coaches in this league that are extremely stubborn, that want to place these players into different holes that they don't fit into. Uh, but I do think certainly there are some people at fault for that, but that's a problem that probably transcends some of the things that Joe Barry was even, you know, that's probably not all on him. I think a lot of it has to do with the situation that he was put into. Um, but they're, they're trying to adjust, they're trying to make it work, and that's what kind of makes you wonder, 
you know, what their next hire would look like because, to me, they're not going to be chasing a scheme. I think they're going to have to chase somebody who can utilize their players in the best position, and maybe that's Joe Barry if he's going to be willing to continue to adapt and not just rely on the scheme that he's been taught or and, and continued to use throughout his career. So hopefully we continue this, this stretch of where Jair can kind of do some things that he wouldn't be doing in a normal Joe Barry scheme. And it's that the same goes for all these guys who are having success playing a little bit outside the normal comfort zone of Joe Barry's system. Let's jump into the offense, Braun, because for a lot of this game, I feel like I was thinking that, okay, the defense is playing well, the special teams is obviously playing well, but the offense, they kind of need to get it together at some point here. But then you get to the end of the game and you turn around and it's like, okay, they scored 27 points offensively. They only had one punt up until Jordan Love came in. They played well. They played the, the ground game looked good. The passing game looked really good. There was a lot of guys who played well, I thought. So I was happy with this offense. And now we've we've strung together four games where the offense has not at all looked like how bad they looked at the midpoint of this season. And I think we've turned around into this offense being an offense that can win you playoff games. And I think this I think this is an offense that can get us through the playoffs. Griff, I agree. I mean, when you look at everything we've got, to me, there were a couple big things today that I noticed on offense. Number one, the offensive line with David back out there is basically at full strength. Whether it's Tom or Yash at right tackle, they're happy with that group. And then that, that changes things for Aaron. The running game was so fluid. But I would say the next biggest thing for me was the factors of Christian Watson just being out there as that threat makes it much more difficult on defenses. And I think also Robert Tunyon's emergence today I thought was important for him and what he's been able to do, or maybe a lack thereof, I guess, because he hasn't been that dynamic guy we saw in 2020 who caught 10 touchdowns or whatever it was, 11, 11, 10 touchdowns that he had and was just super dynamic on play action rollouts and even downfield. We saw a little bit of that today against Minnesota, and that was exciting because we need to try to get him more involved And it just provides another element of our passing offense that we haven't really had this season. Mercedes made a nice catch or two the other day. In fact, he did have the touchdown against against the Dolphins and that giant play, um, one of Aaron's best throws of his career, uh, that deep shot to Mercedes. But we need more from the tight end position in the passing game, and we got it, and we're getting it these past couple weeks. So those two factors of Christian's threat and... The consistency of everybody else, including, like you said, Allen was very consistent today. Randall Cobb is the most consistent player on our football team. And Romeo Dobbs continuing to play really well. And then you throw in the tight end factor of what we're doing, and it's just a, an improved offense. And it looks like a group that we can win with, Griff. And that and we saw that. We saw that against the Vikings. It was so clear, so evident. How special is that, Griff? We are sitting here with a chance to make the playoffs, which I must say, I said it. I said I said we could do it. Nobody believed me. You didn't believe me. Nobody believed me. I have to say, I said it. We're in this spot. It's not done, but I feel really good about where we're at, and everything is coming together at the most perfect time, and that especially includes the offense. This receiving core, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but I, f- I feel a lot differently about them now than I did earlier this season, right? We all like, do. Alan Lazard... We spent a we spent a lot of time on this show talking negatively about Alan Lazard, but I thought he had a really nice game today. He had two big third down catches in the first half. He had five catches in total on six targets, fifty nine yards, eleven point eight yards per catch. He was a reliable, sure handed target today for Aaron Rodgers. Rolling out of the pocket, he hits Allen in the second half. 
I mean, he was a great target today, and he looked like 2020 Alan Lazard. You know, the version of Alan Lazard who isn't our number one option. That's the Alan I love. And now exactly. we're at a spot where we have a game. Like, this game was just a perfect indictment of our receiving core because no one really had a huge day. No one did. Robert Tunyon gets 52 yards. Alan Lazard is 59 yards. So Dobbs only has four targets for 20 yards. Uh, Christian Watson only had one catch. Randall Cobb has two catches, one on third and ten, which was a beautiful play by Cobby. I mean, this this is a group that I feel really good about. And when you factor in the run game combined with that, Aaron Jones, one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, it's a shame that he's not really you know healthy enough to be relied on right now how we would want him to be. But he is so dynamic. He had 14 carries for 111 yards today, 7.9 yards per attempt. He is such a playmaker. And hopefully when we get, if we get into the playoffs, when, maybe, if we get into the playoffs, hopefully he's at healthy enough where we can really rely on him like we have relied on Devontae. Hopefully rely we rely on Aaron Jones in that same way. Because I think Aaron Jones is the type of player who we can ride on his back to a Super Bowl. I really think that, because he is so good. That's well said, Griff. He really is. He's not just a running back. He is a superstar. And it just feels like we have a lot of guys to support him. If he's going to be the focal point of our offense from a passing standpoint and a running standpoint, obviously, I feel very good about that because of everything we have surrounding him. It's a shame, obviously, we don't have a guy like Devontae in the passing game anymore, but we do have Aaron Jones in terms of what we do in the short game. And then we also have Christian Watson for the long game now, and that's an element we haven't had all season up until we started going on this run a little bit. And having that back, it's been crucial. It's helped us improve our offense in a large, large way, and it's it's coming at the most perfect time. Like I said, all of this is coming at the exact right time. Did you think it was funny how they were, like, trying to force a deep shot to Christian Watson in there. <laughs> I mean, we we all knew they were going to try and get that because of how the year started for Christian, how the year started for this team. We all knew that they wanted to get some redemption for Watson. They had three really good chances where Watson had a step and just uh, he had one bad throw from Aaron. There was a couple that were knocked away. It was so close, but I wish they would have gotten one. That would have felt amazing. That would have made this game all the better. But Christian Watson, like you said, even without having an explosive play in there, he's still such a such a threat that the defense has to worry about him constantly. Tony Romo was highlighting it on the broadcast. Defenders are giving him space, unlike how they were to anyone else at the midpoint. Because if you think about like the Week 7, Week 8 shows that we did, we were talking about how defenses are playing us with single high safeties, they were loading up the box to stop the run, they were pressing our receivers, they were playing man coverage, because they didn't believe that we had anyone who could beat them one-on-one. Now we have Christian Watson, and teams cannot play us that way, because he will run right by you. And so it's crazy, and we, we've kind of taken it for granted. This entire receiving core is to a point now where it's like, I feel like I'm taking it for granted. But if you think back to where we were at the midpoint of the season when things were looking so awful, and now like teams actually have to play off versus Christian Watson because they're worried about him scoring a touchdown at any point in the game, that's amazing. And that, that does such great things for Aaron Jones. That does such great things for A.J. Dillon in the run game. That does great such great things for everyone on this team. It makes Aaron's job so much easier. And now we're at a point where Christian Watson hasn't had a deep shot touchdown. He hasn't had an explosive play in how many weeks? It's been at least since the bye week, since the Bears game. I don't think he's had a really big play. But he's still making a huge impact in each of these last three games. Griff, that's exactly right. His impact as a threat 
is just as large as when he makes those big plays, in all honesty. Uh, just having him on the field is so crucial to the way the defenses play us because it's helping us run the ball better. Teams aren't throwing the same rate of single high coverage at us anymore, and they, and they can't really because, like you said, Watson's going to burn you deep. Or, like, we've got guys that are, are playing well. Dobbs can do a lot of things, especially in the intermediate range. We continue to have Randall Cobb in that short range, too. So we do have guys that are making an impact in the passing game. And with the group at its full strength right now, they've they've all kind of grown together. And that's why we've evolved as an offense as a whole, really. So it's just all about that group continuing to gel, continuing to feel really good about where they're at. And they're going to continue to all get better at the same time. And that's what we're seeing. And it doesn't matter who's having success because somebody is. And that's the way it's been. And it's going to continue to be that way, whether it's the backs catching the ball, whether it's the tight ends, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis the past couple weeks, or whether it's Christian Watson getting his turn again, and Romeo Dobbs. They're all factoring into why the offense is kind of back, and and it's becoming exactly what we were hoping for when we were talking about training camp and what this team was going to look like and if we could get in. Now we've we've somehow found our way into a spot where we are looking like we have a really strong chance we can just win this football game against the Lions and we're going to be in the playoffs and we're playing our best ball and that includes all these guys on offense including the rookies that we were hoping we could get up to speed and we have and it's happened and you have to be thankful and excited about that definitely man everyone is up to speed now it's great it, like remember in training camp we were in training. I mention that every single show, but I just have to flex that we were in Green Bay for training camp. If you're a new listener and you weren't around in August, we were at training camp. Those are some fun shows, Bron. But remember, we were talking about the excitement for the upcoming season. We were talking about this group of receivers. Yeah, they don't have Devontae, but they have so many different guys who can do so many different things, so many different skill sets in that room that we thought they could still be dangerous. They weren't for a lot of this season, but now we are at that point where no one's having a big game, but it's the entire group just complements each other so well. And now I feel like Aaron doesn't really have... He, I feel like he trusts everyone equally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He doesn't really have a favorite target other than Randall Cobb. He doesn't have anyone who he's going to, you know, like Devontae. He doesn't have a Devontae out there who he's going to look to every single play on his first read. He kind of trusts everyone equally, whereas earlier this season, I feel like he didn't really trust anyone out there. But now I feel like he does trust everyone. He's playing in rhythm. In rhythm. He's hitting the top of his drop and throwing the slant route to Romeo Dobbs. You know, like, I feel like that's that's the biggest difference with this team now, with this passing offense. I think that's why it looks so crisp out there. Aaron was extra sharp today, honestly. I believe he played some of his best football today. And it looked, even on those, like you talked about the Christian Watson situation where we were trying to force it to him deep to get a little revenge, uh, get him feeling good. There were some. The one that Rodgers absolutely uncorked, that was one of the prettier balls I've seen him throw in a long, long time. And it really fell right into Christian Watson's hands, but it got knocked away. That was a beauty ball. That was that was a special one. And he just, like you said, getting to the top of his drop and hucking that slant in the middle of the field to guys like <laughs> Romeo and Allen. Just beautiful, beautiful balls today from, from Rodgers. And that's, that's what you need, especially down the stretch here. He's got to be playing his best football. There's still room for him to improve, obviously. I think he's not at that peak level of where we'd like him to be at that MVP yet because the stat you could tell the stats aren't there, right? But I do feel like they're not relying on him as much, and I think that's part of it too. But he is playing some of his best ball, I think, right now. Uh, as we get to the stretch point. Why do you think his... Because I agree with you. I thought I thought Aaron was really good today. 
And I think Aaron's been good for a, a large portion of this season, especially of this four-game winning streak. But why do you think the, the stats aren't there? Because even on a day like today where he didn't throw any interceptions, but the, he only has 159 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt. Like, what is it? Why are the stats not there? Is it because of the success on the ground? Or, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Because Aaron, to me, when you watch the game, he's not missing any throws, you know? I mean, here and there, he will miss a throw, but he's looking sharp. He's looking like he did the past two seasons. But for whatever reason, the stats just aren't there. Every game, you're thinking, wow, Aaron's look good. And then you look at the stat sheet, and it's like, oh, he only has 100 yards, and it's the fourth quarter. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I, I don't think it's totally explainable. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they are running the ball well and a little more. I'd say than in past years, they're not they're not as effective as an offense, and they're not as efficient as an offense. So they're not going to have as many yards and as many points, as many touchdowns, right? But there's also the part of it that Aaron has to distribute the ball a little more, so he's not it's not a passing heavy offense. He's not just thinking I'm going to check out of this run play to throw to Devonte and they get a first down. It's it's a lot less of that. Rodgers is kind of just trusting the run call or making those adjustments less to where it's an audible of, of some kind of adjustment to a, a receiver to make a switch because he's not just looking at Alan Lazard being singled up and going, okay, let's go, like he would with Devontae Adams. So it's less of that and a lot more of just him making determinations of what's best for the personnel that he's seeing on defense and the alignment. I think that that's mostly it, and it's not crazy. He's just not, he's A, not playing as well as he has in the past couple of years, and B, they're running the ball more, and they're just not as efficient of an offense as they were in these MVP seasons that he was so successful. So I don't think it's a big difference in how he's playing, but I think it's it's more of some of the things that are going on around him that's changed some of the statistical aspects of, of why those aren't coming into bigger numbers each week. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they're definitely running the ball more. They had 33 rushing attempts today for an Aaron Rodgers-led team. That is quite a few rushing attempts for, for this team. Um, something I was going to talk about on the midweek show last week. This feels like a good time to say this, Bron. Uh, we did not do a midweek show this week. We did not preview this game because, Bron, you and I are, are both quite sick here, and even though we live a thousand miles apart from each other we were both sick at the yeah. same time how about that i don't know so, how you gave it to me but i'm gonna blame you regardless so <laughs> i was sick first but i am on the the up and up here braun you uh you seem to not have hit your your sickness peak yet but i'm feeling better i'm not 100 percent, but no one is 100 percent at this point in the season so um i'm feeling better though but something i was going to mention on the on the preview show that we never recorded was aaron Rodgers' interception total this season is at 11 interceptions on the year very strange for aaron Rodgers. But I, I think if I were to explain that number, I would look at big-time throws, which is a stat that I always talk about. I talk about it too much, probably. But big-time throws is a stat from Pro Football Focus. It, it's their highest-graded throw. It's a, it's a great measure of how many, basically, how many impressive throws a quarterback makes. How, how many high-level, difficult throws does a quarterback make? And they don't offer the number of how many big-time throw attempts a quarterback makes. They don't offer that. But I feel like Aaron is trying... I feel like he's attempted way more passes this year that would result in a big-time throw. Does that make sense? I feel like he is... Like, a lot of his picks this year, he has thrown with so much conviction, just hits the top of his drop and lets it rip 
and then it ends up being an interception. And I feel like he is trying to make so many more great throws, would-be great throws this season, than he ever has. Because, you know, Aaron Rodgers has always thrown so few interceptions because he's not a conservative quarterback. Obviously, he has a great highlight reel uh, career-wise. But he has, he will at times throw the check down or throw the ball away if he doesn't feel 100% confident in his throw. But I don't think that has been the case this year. I think on a lot of his picks this year, he has been trying to make an all-time throw more so than he has in seasons past. Does that make sense, Bron? No, no, Griff, it doesn't. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding, Griff. It does make a lot of sense, and, and that does explain some of those picks when you talk about Aaron trying to make big plays when he doesn't have Devontae Adams. He knows that a lot of it does rest on his shoulders from an offensive standpoint, and he wants to go out there and make that play and try to revive some of these. And a lot of these picks have come in losses for the record. He's trying to make a play. He's trying to do something special. A lot of the times that works, but there's the times where it doesn't, and it happens, right? And I'm not going to fault him for that because a lot of the times we're, we're wanting him to take those chances. And another thing that's true too is he's not taking those checkdowns this year as often. He's not throwing the ball away as often. And that's been a continuous thing in the Matt LaFleur regime. But it's I feel like it's especially true this year when it could be. It could be very much true. He, we could have seen him throwing more checkdowns than usual or throwing the ball away more because we don't have Devontae Adams. But he's been very receptive to trying to get the ball to these guys like Alan Lazard more often, like Romeo and Christian and even Samori, these rookies, right? Like he's going out of his way to try. And that's all you can ask of Aaron. And like we say, he's not. there's no drop-off in his play. I feel like he is still at his peak, like making some of the best throws we've ever seen at this point in his career. You just go back to the Mercedes throw against Miami, the throw to Watson, that deep shot against Minnesota, that beautiful, beautiful ball that almost got caught, but it just got poked out at the last second in the end zone. That was another one of those throws where you just get reminded, like, this guy has not skipped a beat, and he is 39 now. And one thing we should mention, Griff, is that he got that 2014... That Super Bowl style haircut that he's got—it just feels like we're gonna do How something special. How fitting is here, that, bro? It? This was right after you said this was a 2014 style beatdown, and then he pulls up to the podium with a brand new haircut. What does he look like? 2014 Aaron Rodgers. He looks like Super Bowl Aaron Rodgers, and it was like very jarring to see, but it opens your eyes and it, it really gets you excited about just it, it. It feels like that, and then you see something like Aaron cutting his hair like that. It was almost symbolic of what we're doing right now which is going on a special run. And you look back to these years where we did that, where we got to these points where we got to the NFC Championship game and even a little farther when you talk about the Super Bowl in that 2010-2011 season. But that season, the 2014 season, the 2016 season, those runs, those special, special runs where you go from a point where you're maybe not in the best position or there's a lot at stake or there's a special feeling of a team all these situations, this is one of those. It feels like that, Griff. That that It feels special. Now we just have to capitalize on it, make sure we get our win against Detroit, and then we can ride into the playoffs very high with a lot of momentum, maybe the most in the league, and be that team that nobody wants to see because of Aaron Rodgers, because of this running game, because of this defense, and because of that bad man returning kicks for us too. So all of that combined... <laughs> And even Mason Crosby, teams are getting scared of, I think, too. So all of that combined, <laughs> all of it just makes us that team that is going to be special. And you just have to hope and continue to believe, like I've been saying since we were 3-6, and six, since we were 4-8, and eight, 
I've been saying it. We got to keep believing and keep that faith and that trust, especially in Aaron Rodgers and this team, because I will say it over and over again. As long as he is our quarterback and we are the Green Bay Packers, we always have a chance and I feel great about it. Let's dive into the defense, Braun. The defense played, was it their best game of the season? Probably, right? I mean, they were just... Easily they, the Vikings their best could game. Not, Easily. They could not do anything today. And the Vikings, God, I wish we did a preview show because I was going to talk I was gonna talk so much crap about the Vikings. I, I hate this team. They're my least favorite franchise in the NFL. I hate them 10 times as much as I hate the Chicago Bears. I, I cannot stand the color purple. The Vikings are such a fraudulent team, in my opinion, and I think we proved that today. And even even knowing that they had that huge comeback against the Colts, even knowing all that, and they've had so many weird wins this year, at halftime, I knew that we were going to be the team that didn't allow that. We were up 41-3 to against this sorry club. What a joke. <laughs> They're such a joke. <laughs> they are such a, just a beautiful joke. And I love, I love to hate this group. I really do. Especially Kirk Cousins. And I I just, I hate it all. And the worst part is that we knew Justin Jefferson, and Griff, you loved him even more than I did coming out in in that draft, but I I loved Justin Jefferson. I wanted him in Green Bay. You really wanted him in Green Bay. To see him go to Minnesota really, really sucked, especially when we drafted a quarterback that year, a couple picks later. But but, uh, still, I mean, that is a team we really dislike. To go up 41-3 to on them, when everybody, you know, nobody's having their way with Minnesota. They're 12-3 and at the time. Nobody's having their way like we did. We spanked them like they were being bad. We just absolutely <laughs> dominated them. 41-3, to and that's, that's Amazing, the, with dude. our starters. With our starters. We led three points. Three points against Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, TJ Hawkinson. You name it. They had it, and we dominated them absolutely unreal special to be a part of and i love it especially against that team and i know you love it too i i wouldn't have even asked for that man 41 to 3 with the starters and good lord dude i i hate the vikings just the best day of my life probably and you know i love the packers winning but i almost as much i love a minnesota vikings meltdown and we saw a Vikings meltdown today in full effect. We saw a Kirk Cousins meltdown, three interceptions. They had six penalties, the Vikings. Boy, does he fumbles. suck. They had two missed field goals. They could not get out of their own way. And against any other team, I'd be like, ah, maybe they lost more than the Packers won. But no, not the Vikings. I, I loved every minute of that. I hate the Minnesota Vikings. And they are, I cannot wait to watch them get blown to pieces in the playoffs. Hopefully it's by us. They certainly don't want to see us in the playoffs in the wild card round. They better hope they stick at that three seed because they do not want to see us coming into Minnesota. That's for sure. And look, I'm just thrilled with the whole outcome of this game. And everything that it means for where we're going to be at moving forward, everything that happened during the game, it was just perfect. It was as special as the Miami game was last week, and we were just talking about how special that game was. I mean, these, this stretch of two games feels like a starter of something truly, truly special, like a Super Bowl run. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here because we could be out of the playoffs if we don't win this game uh, against the Lions, but it, it just feels like we're on that path. Aaron Rodgers talked about it, and, and everybody understands what we could do here if we just keep this ship going. And I love the leadership, Griff. We always talked about, even when we were down and out, 4-8, and 3-6, and six, whatever, we talked I, we talked about guys like Keyshawn Nixon, Rasul Douglas, just guys that like you think can be a Super Bowl-type player for us. And now we're getting into a position where that might matter. We thought that might not matter. Keyshawn Nixon being that guy that we thought could be a Super Bowl caliber player for us. One of those key guys that you talk about, 
Even just looking back at what we were doing in the Super Bowl in 2010, guys like Jarrett Bush, guys like Nick Collins, guys that just you can rely on to make a big play. It just feels like we have a ton of those now. And we were all thinking, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs, but it felt like we've got the depth on this team and some of these guys on special teams, defense, even offense, that you feel so good about going into a Super Bowl with because they're just a different type of mentality player. And now that might matter. We're one game away from that being a true significant factor as we sit here four games in a row, four wins in a row, on a run, and we are going to keep it going, baby, because we got Detroit in Lambeau. It's a big one, and I just cannot wait. Oh, my. The Packers, they cannot ruin all of this by losing to Detroit next weekend, man. It's not going to happen. If God is a Packers fan, he would not let this happen. All of this that's going our way, he would not let us lose to Detroit. So, therefore, we are not going to lose to the Lions next weekend. It's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, I feel like we've touched... No, zero chance. I feel like we've touched on everything. I mean... This, a lot happened in this game, and this was a fun show. It was a really fun game. I mean, this this is a special season. This has turned into what I once thought was the worst season that I've ever been a part of as a Packers fan, which admittedly has not been really long. But um, yeah, I thought this was the worst season that I'd ever witnessed. But now, looking back, man, we're 8-8, eight and eight, and we are one game away from the playoffs. I cannot believe it. The amount of things that have gone our way. It's simply absurd at this point, and I am very grateful. I'm very, very grateful for this team. I'm very grateful for so many of these players, so many of these players that I love. And we get a home playoff game next weekend, and I can't wait. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back for the midweek show this week, hopefully, unless Ron is uh, on his deathbed here with his illness. Uh, but we will be we'll back be with back. this uh, midweek show. If you, if you want to leave a voicemail to call in, you can call the number 920-430-0711. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at todayintitlesout at gmail.com. We will read those out, play those potentially on the next show. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Today Town, and you can follow both of us on Instagram at All Day Packers and at Lambo.Liebers. And if you would like, you can rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening. You can send us feedback on Instagram through the DM on at Today Town. And that is everything. Thank you so much for listening. Go Pack Go, baby. Happy New Year, by the way. We didn't mention New Year's Day. Starting New Year's, starting 2023 off with the Packers victory. Happy New Year's Day, and. When you look back at at that point where I was talking about all these different games that needed to go our way, and Griff, you were saying, it all seems plausible, but the chances that all of it happens are just so slim. Well, it's all happening in that spot. They were very slim. They were slim. They were slim. There's a reason the playoff percentages on your favorite website were not very high. (laughs) Right, but I will hey, tell you this. Don't talk poorly about 538, man. I love 538. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this, though, Griff. Those percentages did not account for my fandom and my love of this team, <laughs> which transcends any number that you can think of. They didn't of. account and for Braun's impact on the game. No, it didn't account for what I bring to the table, Griff, and that's true. So they didn't account <laughs> for that Christmas miracle. They didn't account for this new year, new Packers look in this game against the Minnesota Vikings. These special moments transcend all the numbers, all the data. And here we are in this position to do everything we wanted, everything we hoped, everything we dreamed of. And I've been dreaming of from the beginning. And here we are, and I cannot wait. We will see you later in the week to preview our Sunday matchup with the Detroit Lions. Thank you for listening, everybody. Forever and always, Go Pack Go! Go!